The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And so the name of the game here is you're planting seeds that's going to directly correlate in the field when you do have the birds. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. Me and Adam are sitting here six feet apart coming at you with an episode on planting seeds with everyday training. Six feet apart. <laughs> Come on, man. No, it's it, it, all seriousness. It's a, we, Hey, everybody's kind of dealing with this craziness that's going on in their own way. Hopefully staying staying healthy yeah. trying you know being responsible with it yeah but it's we have a, to be yeah and but this episode it was pre-recorded and we already did it but it kind right. of feeds into it right now to where yeah if you're quarantined shut in your shelter whatever now's a chance to really go out you can do some daily training with your dog and there's what we talk about this week is a lot of examples of stuff that you can do in your backyard just with whatever you have and you make do with what you have and it correlates to something bigger down the road. Yeah. A lot of people are teleworking right now, including me. And so I'm so we're, a lot of us are still working, but we have extra time because uh, our time's not consumed with a commute and transitioning from your car to the office to, you know, we all have life. more time. Yeah. yeah. So I made a list of things I'm going to do around the house and I wrote down, train the dog and, <laughs> and Anna, yeah Anna Claire saw that on my list I was telling her you know maybe you should make a list of things you want to do while you're out of school and she said train the dog you train the dog all the time anyways and I'm like nah it's about to get serious now <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is it's an opportunity I think we do need to look at this time uh, as an opportunity to to do things like that train the dog and do a lot of yard work and we talk about that in the episode yard yeah. work or everyday training whatever you want to call it and and it it just goes into yeah you want to do this on a regular basis like you're saying anyway we try and train our dogs as much as possible but especially with the craziness that's going on in the world right now and 
it's honestly just healthy for you. You get out, you work your dog. You're not just sitting inside watching the news, stressing out like, oh my God, am I sick? Or is the person next to me sick? And then, you know, some people that they're getting depressed or getting bored, they're just get outside, do something with your dog and, and you can make it work. Even if you don't have live birds or you, you, can't necessarily meet up with your training group whatever the case may be you can do stuff in your backyard and every day that is going to hit your overall training goals down the road and we just give a few examples of just kind of rigged up training scenarios that we've gotten creative with in our own time yeah and you know what nick my dog has no clue that there's anything going on with the coronavirus right now (laughs) he doesn't (laughs) he doesn't care at all he doesn't know the difference so it uh you're right we talk about some some stuff during the episode some people might think what on earth is that but it's it works we've you know nick's introduced some things to me that when i first hear it i'm like yeah i'm not doing that and then more i think about it the more it makes sense so so with that being said we'll get to the episode here in a second and you have one week left on the Instagram, Facebook giveaway. If you want a shot at the Gunner Kennel, Hunt Ready Vest, Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong Plan, you have one week left. We're going to be announcing the winners next week, so you need to be sure to sign up for it. Follow the instructions on the post if you haven't already. If you want additional chances, be sure to sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash yourself. Get a couple more names in the hat. And... That's just it. Clock's ticking if you want to get in on that opportunity. Let me help out my older listeners that are like, how do I tag someone? <laughs> you just type their name in there. With the et symbol in front of it. That's right. Yep. So uh, if you want additional names in the hat, every dollar you give to our Patreon account is an additional name in the hat. What's the value of this thing? About a thousand bucks probably? At least. Yeah. So You're, talk- you're talking about... Uh, gunner kennel with the complete setup with the performance pad with the all-weather kit all that fun stuff then you have the brand new hunt ready vest which is we got to try it out a few weeks ago it's it's legit um yep i'm wanting to buy one myself right now and then rocky mountain hunt strong he's giving you a month free fitness program which is an at-home do-it-yourself training fitness program super valuable right now while exactly. you're at home it just it goes right into it so there's something else so one lucky winner is going to get that entire package so don't miss your chance to get in on that before it's too late and then right behind that we can't go into too many details but we have a uh, pretty big announcement coming to you guys here in a few weeks like i said no details so you can sit there and lose sleep wondering what these gdiy guys are going to come out with next month yep yeah you'll have to sit around and wonder for the next five years (laughs) yeah on the edge of your seat (laughs) (laughs) now we're excited to get to this episode i think you guys will enjoy it do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up train your dog but now it's time to train yourself Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, Adam, we're here to uh, critique everything that you do with your dog on a daily basis and uh, judge you and tell you how you're doing it wrong. Okay, I didn't know we were going to talk about that, but uh, yeah, let's hit it. That sounds great. <laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, what we actually get asked is, uh, quite often is, hey, what can I do with my dog on a daily basis? And uh, a lot of people think that there's really not a lot that they can do because they don't have a bunch of acres or live birds or something. And it's, hey, if you wait till the weekends to get them on live birds and acres, you're you're kind of missing an opportunity to progress and plant seeds for stuff to come. Yeah, I think you got to get creative. I live in a all out neighborhood on 
I don't know, maybe a quarter of an acre. So I have to get creative all the time. I use the kids as distractions and, yep. and do as much as I can in the yard. And sometimes you got to move away from the yard, but I still, I don't have access right now to anything more than about two acres without driving 40 minutes. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's one of those things, some of the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes, be like, that is ridiculous. I'm not doing that, but okay. You know, you don't have to do it. This is just kind of some stuff that we do. Yeah. This is some ideas that, Hey, I'm working on steadiness. You can do this. It directly correlates retrieving same thing. Uh, and, and I'd be remiss to say, I guess we can start off just talking about no matter what you do, whether, whether it's just basic yard work or trying to plant seeds for advanced training for utility tests or, or whatever you're getting into, consistency is still the name of the game here. You have to be consistent. It doesn't do any good just to go out there one time a week and do this and be like, it's not working. Right. And, and even if it does work, just going out once a week, um, it's going to take a lot longer to accomplish something. I think a week is too long in between sessions. If you're trying to, to get to a certain goal with your dog, you've got to hit some stuff during the week in between your, your weekend opportunities. Yeah. And so the consistency kind of goes into how often you're doing it. If you're doing it on a daily basis, it's not like you have to do it at the same exact same time of day per se, uh, with our, regular work schedules and routine it's kind of easy as hey, if you get in the habit of doing it right before work or right after work uh it's just consistency and and really just going out with an objective and a goal in mind and you're not just out there just trying to burn energy off your dog yeah for sure uh the exercise thing is important for most of the breeds uh that people have that listen to us exercise is a must but if you only exercise your dog, you kind of get on this path of the dog's in better shape, so then it needs more exercise, <laughs> and yeah. then it's in better shape, so it needs more exercise. And I did that a lot with my first dog. I mean, I ran the crap out of him all the time, and then he'd be good in the house, yep. you know. But uh, mental stimulation is very important. So I can go outside while the while the kids are playing, do some place training with Mitchell, and it's real. it's tough for him, you know? Yeah. He's got to think. Yeah. And so it, two years ago, I got real heavy into, into roading Rachel specifically. Lucy was too young to be running like that, but I was getting ready for North Dakota. Yeah. Like, he's, it's, she's got to be in great shape. And it was the same year I was running utility with her. And so I was roading her every single morning. And it, like you said, it got to where it's just running and she yeah. just, it, it took longer and longer to kind of burn that physical energy down. But at the end of the day, after work, I'd come back and actually work on something specific. But the days that I missed the the mental stimulus and actually working on an objective, I still wrote it in the morning. You could tell that she was still wired and ready to go in, in right. the evenings. It's just, it, you get a completely different dog when you you make them use their mind and concentrate on something it's it's the same way with us i mean it's you can go lift weights all day long in the gym but at some point you know you have to use your brain and yeah. vice versa you yeah. can't only do mental stimulus you need physical activity also so that's kind of how i i look at it yeah and the, i mean the dogs aren't just using uh physical stamina while they're hunting it's it's one aspect of what they're using they're thinking. but they got to use their brain too so I don't know if there's a direct correlation to doing uh, place training in the driveway while the neighborhood kids are running around. You know, it does. You're not going to make a smart dog in the woods out of that, but it does exercise their brain and makes them, you know, makes them better to live with. It's kind of like if if you finish a tough day at work and you you get home and you go, man, I'm exhausted. Even though I've maybe been behind a computer all day and I'm not physically exhausted. I'm worn out. Yeah. You're just mentally fried. Yeah. And, and, and the opposite is true. I mean, it's just, you, you have to balance it out. You need a little bit of both. If you do just physical, then, then your dog is just going to keep getting in better and better shape. And you're still wondering why they're, you know, eating your car in half. Uh, and it's, Hey, you, you, that dog needs an outlet. It needs a mental 
job and a task. And so a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today is just kind of giving just general ideas on what you can do in the yard, even if you have a quarter acre, no birds, whatever. It's kind of, it's true DIY. You have to make do with what you got. Right. And a a big portion of this too is time management. Uh, A lot of the things you hear are like, I don't have enough time to do a training session with my dog and wash the cars and spend time with my kids. So here's where I really feel like when I get something going like this, that I'm, I'm really hitting on all cylinders Mm -hmm. as a dad, dog trainer and everything. The dog's on a, on a place board or a kennel mat or something working on place. The kids are helping me wash the car, (laughs) you know, and it's like every trip around the truck. I'm like, no, stay in your place. So there's ways to, uh, you don't have to have a totally dedicated training session it actually transitions better in that instance if you want to take your dog out places to be doing normal everyday activities while you're working on right. place training, for example. Right. And so, and so what we're going to talk about is, is honestly a little bit more advanced level training, kind of making do with that and rigging it up instead of just your basic yard work, your basic obedience. Obviously people know that especially a young dog, you can go out in your backyard and work on your recall, your sit, your heel, your woe. And we've touched on that on previous episodes. And while we're not really going to hit on the how to's and give suggestions on that, it, we, again, we need to remind everybody how important that basic obedience is. And I will still every now and then just go out and get a basic obedience yard session in because it doesn't matter if the dog's seven years old, they need a, they need a refresher course almost keep them sharp, keep them, keep them fresh on it. And you don't let the heel slide because you're working on steadiness or something like that. For sure. So if you, if you're in a hurry and you don't have time to set up what, you know, some of the scenarios that we're going to talk about, it doesn't hurt just to get the dog out there and run them through some woe, run them through some heel, and just just remind them, hey, it, it's basic. And I think that's where a lot of people fall off that that wagon, so to speak, because they're like, we've already been doing this. My dog's already got it down. And it's like, hey, <laughs> we've all seen the dog that yeah. has quote unquote mastered a heel, and they're not one to heal very well. So yeah, I mean, it just it's just a good reminder always kind of keep that in front of your mind. Yeah. I think it, it loses, you lose interest, uh, in training your dog to do something, you know, keeping it polished up with an old dog like that. Uh, even a, like a middle-aged dog that it already knows how to heal. So having a deliberate training session on healing in the yard doesn't sound appealing, but it's still good for the dog and it's good for the hand, handler too. Right. So, so, like we already said, if, if you're not doing this on a regular basis, you're missing an opportunity to plant seeds for the stuff that you really are pushing for and trying to develop in your dog. And so with that in mind, everything that we're going to talk about here, we're kind of substituting, I, I don't know the right word for it, um, hunting scenarios with birds and, and specific opportunities with what we have. And so the name of the game here is you're planting seeds that's going to directly correlate in the field when you do have the birds. Yeah. And And I know what you're getting at it. It it's actually, you get a little more bang for your buck when you do have the birds. If you've already been working on certain things in the yard, for example, teaching the dog to woe. And then if you're going to, you know, work on pointing and, and some level of steadiness, the dog getting lessons repetitively throughout the week on woe, transitions easier when you go put it in front of birds like what are those baby steps in between just woe in the backyard to woe with a bird flying away like right you know what makes you think that the dog understands woe with very limited distractions in your backyard (laughs) and it's going to still woe when a bird flies 10 feet in front of it and so let's just kind of keep the keep the momentum going with steadiness because it a lot of people when they get to the point of steadiness especially just after your basic just having the dogs stand to flush when they're trying to get to steady to shot or steady to release or something they they kind of lose sight of the fact that they they don't have to have live birds obviously that's preferable. I would love to have live birds in the backyard. If you have pigeons or leftover game birds from a training day or something, that's ideal. 
but on a on a regular basis usually we don't have live birds and most people don't and so you can do stuff in the backyard like you're just mentioning the woe and everything but in addition to woe people i think underestimate how how useful the place command can be yeah and so we we haven't really defined how you can teach place and how it directly correlates to steadiness because they don't see it as the dog's not woeing, there's no bird, there's no stimulus, but it's still getting the dog accustomed to staying in one spot on command. It's obedience and cooperation with you. And so they're staying in one spot until you release them. Yeah, it's. I think it definitely correlates to steadiness. It is, it, it is steadiness uh, to a certain degree and, Man, it's a useful command. Uh, my dog stays in the house, so when we're in the kitchen, I don't mind if he's in there sometimes, but once he starts getting on my nerves and he's under my feet, <laughs> he's getting the place command. He's going over to his little cot, yep. and he stays there. Sometimes if I'm not looking, he sneaks away. But yep. um, when you have guests over, you know the dog wants to meet new people. So these are all levels of distraction. When it gets close to six o'clock in my house, the dog is coming to bug me because it's time to eat dinner. So uh, the place command in those scenarios is really useful and again, makes it more enjoyable to to have a dog. And I get to spend more time with my dog because I can take him out in my front yard, put him on a place command, mow a couple strips of my grass, go over and praise him, heal him around the yard, put him back on place, mow a little bit more. I mean, that's... That takes a lot of uh, mental stimulation for yeah. the dog. And I, I think it's kind of a misconception as a lot of people contribute the place command to to just retrievers. And, right. and I di- you know, for the most part, that's what it really is. But uh, it, it also, again, it's planting a seed and, and it practices getting that dog to cooperate with you and know he, he gave me a command and I'm not, I'm not, to move until I'm released. And so real quick, let's kind of go over how to train place. Uh, Just talk your method through real quick. And if there's anything different on my end, I'll, I'll jump in afterwards. So, I mean, we've talked some before about command selection and you can use any word you want. Um, Place. I think the idea is um, that it can be any object. It doesn't have to be bed or kennel. You could, you could use the same word though. I mean, you could still point to an object say kennel, if your dog already knows that command and it would figure out pretty quickly, okay, he wants me to get on, on this kennel mat or on this place board. Um, I've used a, a mat from my truck before. I've used one of the hat. floor mats. I've just thrown my oh, hat really? on the ground and it gives them, gives them something, something to orient. To, on. Yeah, the, yeah. Orientation. That's all it and is. And that's the other thing too, is the place dogs are place oriented. So I kind of look at it that way as they're orienting to this, uh, this place, this object. Um, I don't care what the dog does while it's on its place. It can sit, lay down or stand. That's my preference. As long as it remains on that place. Okay. If it, you know, if it's standing on all fours, (laughs) it's pretty funny. Mitchell, it'll trick you. He'll make it look like his foot just slipped off, you know, and he doesn't mean anything by it, but he's, yeah, he's absolutely testing the waters. Oh, I felt my bad. I can't go back over there. Yeah. Yeah. And if he decides to lay, sometimes he'll, he'll lay like halfway onto the place. And I, I do my best to enforce that. And it's like all the way onto the place, not halfway, not three feet, uh, all four feet. Or yeah. your whole body, if you're going to lay down on it. Um, as far as how I start teaching it, I use a clicker. Jackie does a really good job with with loading the clicker. With she's done that with both of our dogs, yeah. um, getting them to understand that it's associated to food and reward. So, you know, you walk over to the placemat or place board, command place, point towards it with a hand, so you're getting a, a visual and verbal cue and Sometimes you have to physically put the dog over there. And then once they're there and they're in that place, click reward from there. It's reps, right? Over Um, and over again. Yeah. And then now I don't like, I use a clicker a lot of times to teach what I want. And then I use the e-collar to enforce that known command at this point. So the clicker is a way that I can communicate to the dog. Here's what I'm trying to, 
it's it's like when the dog finally does what you want, it's like saying, yes, that's what I wanted. So I use it as a way to teach, and then I use the e-collar as a way to enforce. I don't use the e-collar to teach a command. No, and you shouldn't. And so, again, pretty similar. I mean, there's – I'm – yeah, I'm sure there's other methods of teaching this, but I do something very similar. I actually go off the heel command uh, for this. Yeah. So I te- I'm teaching place. I teach woe off heel. I teach a lot of stuff off heel. Heel is probably my personal uh, favorite command with the dog. You have a good heel. It just it's just a very enjoyable dog. And mm-hmm. uh, so with with me is I'll have a place board down there ideally something just lifted slightly off the ground it kind of helps them visualize and associate it better and i'll have it at heel and they're naturally walking at your side and then when they are about to walk up on the place board i start saying place 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 and as soon as all four are on them click here's your kibble and then i don't step away until i give them the release command and I give them the release command, and they're good to go go away or whatever. And then I'll heal them back, and we just do it again. Right, and, and then it does not take long usually to before that dog is starting to go up on that place board. As soon as you say they it first, so you, yeah, yeah, you're not leading it, and then it's just about repetitions. You're just extending the time. Start walking around in circles. Yep. Extend the distance yeah. and time before you release them and everything. It's it's very similar to woe yes. training. It really is. And that's kind of how I came up with my place method of teaching it, whether it's right or wrong. But uh, it, it's worked for me. And yeah. So, it, yeah. And something I think it, that it's like a, a seed that you're planting is you mentioned uh, more distance. Move yourself further away from the dog once it's on a place command, but then also give the command further from the place board and the, the hand signal I mentioned earlier that correlates to hand signals in the field or could be in the water. Um, it it helps with casting, uh, potentially moving into lines on retrieving. And and that's, that's what we mean by planting seeds. You're not just teaching one thing to a dog at a time. Everything kind of lends itself to other stuff, right? You're teaching just secondary items with the dog that you're going to piggyback off later yeah i I think when the dog sees a a hand signal in the field like we both will cast our dogs into birdie looking cover if if the dogs went by it and we're like that looks too good to pass up yeah let's get a dog in here we kind of throw our hand towards it and the dogs have picked up that they want me to go in that direction sometimes taking a step or two in that direction yeah helps too but you know, in my mind, the dog, the first time you, you do that, they go, oh, yeah, I've seen this directional command before yep. doing place training or whatever. And I also just start doing that in the field as I change directions. If the dog looks at me, I'll just kind of hold my hand up in that way. Again, it's an opportunity to teach a dog without you having to focus only on that on, on a training right session. And so, yeah, the the place board, obviously, like we said, it, it, it goes straight into steadiness whether you're a field dog retriever in the duck blind whatever it's a useful command to have for around the house uh out in public whatever and that's a very easy thing that you can do it doesn't you can do it in your freaking living room you don't need a lot of space and if you have birds that's a good thing just like whoa to bomb your dog with birds throw bumpers around them you know kind of distract them give them a little temptation when you get to that point and uh it's What's that doing? It's getting the dog used to remaining steady in one location, depending uh, against other stimulus. And that kind of goes into the next thing. We were referenced this a couple episodes back. Stop to flush with bumpers. And we, <laughs> I get a lot of strange looks when I first bring this up to people because they're like, I'm not using bumpers to teach study. I'm like, all right, well, you know, why is it that you can use a bumper to simulate a bird on retrieving, but you can't use a bumper to simulate a bird flying? Yeah, when you told me about that, I started working on steadiness. I mean, I've mentioned it to you guys a few times that I'm, you know, in the middle of working on steadiness with Mitchell. And, uh, you know, I'm only getting birds on the weekend. So, just the epitome of what we're talking about in the beginning. There were a couple times where I'd get birds during the week and, and find a way to use them. But I'm going from Saturday to Saturday with no real 
steadiness other than putting them on woe with, and, and coming up with distractions. And Nick says, well, why don't you do stop the flush with bumpers? And I was like, dude, I'm not, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I drove home that day thinking about it and it's like, all right, a, a flying object makes sense. They need to stop when they see something flying. So there's a, a about a two acre field at the end of our street and it's right next to a busy road. But I, I trust Mitchell's recall enough. I can yeah. keep him close to me. So I started throwing the bumpers and telling him, whoa, well, it didn't take very long. He's doing it on his and own. And he sees me winding up with a bumper. I tried to not let him see me winding up and he'd freeze. Yep. So then I put him in a launcher and started doing it in the yard. And I mean, bring him out a, into the front yard. Yeah. Simulates a flushing bird in the field. If it, if it gets bumped or something, Yep, I'd yeah. hide it behind a bush press the button when he came out and, and would be able to see it, told him, whoa, and he, yeah. he froze. And then it became this game of where do I hide the launcher <laughs> next where he's yeah. not going to find it because oh. uh, he picked up on it quick. But, man, that next weekend that we went out and did birds, the next, like, baby step or transition for me is I said I want to do a stop to flush, put a bird in the launcher right off the bat. Nailed it. Nailed the stop to flush which then transitioned into, you know, the first full steadiness sequence without having to touch them with the e-collar at all. So again, creative, like some takeaways there being creative with, with how to, how to train these dogs in the middle of the week and then having a training partner. That's an outside perspective is nice because what you think you're doing with your dog sometimes is not what you're really doing. It takes it takes a buddy to be like, why don't you try this? <laughs> yeah. And and I kind of came up with it. I, I I just thought of it because it was, I was in the middle of the week and I'm, I'm working on steadiness with my dogs. I'm like, how can I work on this? This conducive to what I'm working for in the field. And I just kind of came up with it. And so you kind of alluded to the bulk of how to, you know, it, it's honestly kind of self-explanatory, but just to expand on it, preferably, even though I don't have live birds, I'm wanting to use as close to a bird as I can. So ideally, the bumpers I use are the docking uh, bumpers for the most sure. part. You don't have to have them. You can use regular, you know, white, orange bumpers, whatever. I think it's important to use white. Dog, yeah. Well, they dogs can see, see better, see white better yeah. than orange. But but again, you have to work with what you've got. And so even if it's just a few frozen birds. From that you shot from training day before the the trick is it's not really a trick it, the goal is flying object stop and, and so it doesn't really matter what you're throwing work with what you have i try and simulate a bird as much as possible which is why i use the dawkins and then uh jim that we train with he actually got the dawkins with the wing attachments right. and all that stuff you can really get creative with this stuff and like you were saying just take your dog in the backyard or a field close by a park or whatever. And they're just running around. And ideally you don't want the dog to see you throw it. I I keep mine. I actually wear a little training vest and I keep it in the game pouch. So they don't even see the bumper at all. Right. And then when they're distracted, I'll throw it over their head to where you know that they're going to get a good visual. As soon as you see that they see it, you woe them and there you go. And, and pretty you, soon you're not having to say, whoa, it's right. the flying object that woed them, which is what you're working towards. Yeah. You want, you don't want to have to scream, whoa, every time yep. the dog's on point or a bird flushes, you want the the bird essentially to be telling the dog, whoa. Exactly. So, and you, you mentioned launchers. You don't even need launchers. If you got a kid, if you've got a buddy, they can hide behind, hide behind a tree or bush or something. And when the dog is getting close by, they just throw it out. And again, another useful uh, benefit of having a training partner, but you, it's really, this is only kind of confined to your imagination. You can get real creative with this. And my point is some people for whatever bumpers aren't that expensive. I mean, if you have a dog, you should be able to go buy a bumper, but let's just for the sake of argument, you don't have access to bumpers. I don't care if it's a tennis ball. I, 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 I really don't because at the end of the day, it you're it works for the field stuff and it works for retrieving also yep. because you want your dog to stay steady until you send them for the retrieve and so you're not throwing it and having them freeze 
and immediately releasing them after it. When they see it, you woe them, they freeze. Take your time getting up to them. Right. Kind of milk it a little bit. Take your time getting up to them. You know, get get up to your release point, set them up, point again to where you're, it kind of goes into retrieving and lines later. Mm-hmm. Set them up in the direction and send them for a retrieve. And also, when you're doing this, if you have some poppers, a cap gun even, a little 22 blanks, whatever, you can incorporate the shot. And what does that do? Steady to the shot. So you're getting steady right. to release work, steady, stop to flush, steady to shot, all just from working bumpers and repetitions. And a lot of people just don't think about it. And it's kind of, you get the reaction like you initially gave, like, I'm not using I'm not freaking bumpers. And it's okay. I mean, like, that's fine. But you're just missing an opportunity to plant those seeds. Yeah. Some people would tell you you're crazy to work the healing and remain by blind sequence in your yard because it's associated to water with NAVDA. So in the NAVDA utility test, you've got to heal your dog through some stakes. Um, it sits, it remains by the blind while you move out of sight of the dog, fire some shots, somebody else fires some shots. You come back, fire some more shots. A a duck gets launched into the water and then the dog can go for the retrieve. I think I got that about 90% (laughs) correct. Um, so I practice all that in my yard yeah. and I will put the dog on a, like a place command yeah. or whoa, I'll move to where the dog thinks I'm out of sight. So I'll put the dog in the garage. I'll walk to the other side of my vehicle so I can see through yep. the windows, but he doesn't know that I'm still watching him or I'll use somebody else that's in a window yeah. and then I really will go out of sight um, but they're there to correct the dog or yeah. I'm there to correct the dog. Uh, and he just thinks he's by himself. I use a cap gun. Sometimes I use the kids. I'll have the kids run the dog through the sequence so that it's used to doing it with somebody else. Yep. So if, if it'll do it for a 10 year old girl, surely it'll yep. do it for me. So, yep. um, you got to get creative with this stuff. Absolutely. So that, I mean, th- there's a couple tricks for you on steadiness. Um, uh, Next thing is real quick retrieving. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's a million things that you can do for retrieving in the backyard, and it's one of those things to where a young dog you can do you know fun retrieves, fun bumpers. You're setting up later on what you're going to be doing with with the dog. And I, I try and tell everybody when they have a young pup, mix up what you're using for the fun retrieve because it only lends itself to when you are getting on the table for force fetch. It lends itself to the multiple different types of birds that you're going to use. And we've all seen the dog that they have, they'll retrieve a tennis ball, but they won't retrieve a bumper or, right. or they'll retrieve a bird, but not a bumper. And if that's the case that you have a dog that will retrieve a bird, but not a bumper, keep a couple wings, strap it to a bumper. And then you have feathers on a bumper. And you can start transitioning. And then, then do that for a while, slowly take one wing off to where you only have one wing left on the bumper and then go down to one feather on it and then do away with the feather. You can transition dogs into liking bumpers or something that they didn't have before. Not all dogs, but you know, it's, it's something else. you. So on that note, some people will say if my dog retrieves birds, I don't care if it retrieves bumpers or not. Yeah. Here's my thought. I can't keep birds in my truck all the time, Yeah, but I have, four bumpers in my truck right now yeah. so that if anywhere. I'm anywhere, I can work on retrieving. Yeah. We're at Norm's yesterday. I used some bumpers and was like, <laughs> while I'm here, I'm going to do some retrieves in a spot where I've never done retrieves before. I had, I had the dogs in the back of the truck yesterday at work. And mm-hmm. at lunch, I ran to a park real quick Yeah, and I had bumpers in the truck. I was right. using those. I'm not going to keep dead birds in the back of my truck, exactly. stinking it up and, you know, then you're going to a public park, throwing dead birds around. Yeah. Everybody's going to be looking at you like, what the heck? And it gives you the opportunity to work on other things like the delivery, how the dog approaches you, holding on to it until yep. it's released. And it's another good way to exercise your dog. Yeah. Um, I've been working on line drills a pretty good bit. And that's, you know, I can do that pretty much anywhere if I've got the bumpers in my truck. Yeah. So. So let's, the end goal is to have the dog retrieve birds, yeah. but there's other things you can work on. So I, I like having a dog that right. will retrieve anything, especially yeah. bumpers and birds. Oh, I mean, I, I have a wide variety of bumpers and everybody knows what's on the market. So we, we can stop 
harping on that. But so, yeah, obviously, a young dog, you can be doing fun uh, retrieves and everything. Nothing too pressure. Just you're you're just trying to develop that enthusiastic natural retrieve that's going to be easier to work with when you go to the table. And and while we're talking about everyday training, obviously, if you're on the table, you're going to be doing this on a daily basis. So we're going to talk about force fetch here in a few weeks. We, we're going to do some episodes on that. So we're not going to really touch on force fetch, but let's just assume you're done with force fetch and you're still looking for retrieving ideas and you're just sick of just throwing a bumper out in the field, throwing a bumper in a pond. Uh, One thing to really start uh, working on, especially if you have invitational goals in mind in NAVDA or something, is the the marks and the blinds and the lines kind of like what you're working yep. on so kind of tell everybody your setup with what you're doing with mitch on that right now so i have a uh and i learned this from the from the guys in the potomac chapter i didn't just come up with this on my own um but i've got a black and white sign it's like a yard sale type sign that has a a post that you can jam down on the ground and i just took a marker and made you know, two black square, like a checkerboard type thing. Um, and the kids helped me draw in those, <laughs> those spots. You could paint it. You can get black and white flag, whatever you want to use. But you can the use dogs, buckets. Yeah. The dog can see the black and white contrast. So I started like 20 feet away after my dog was done with force fetch. And I'll put a pile of bumpers at that sign and send him. I'm giving him a line to the sign. So the first time he sees the sign, it's like, what is this? Oh, there's bumpers down here. And then over time, extend it to 20 yards, 40 yards, 60 yards. You know, we're about, uh, we work about a hundred yards out now consistently. And then you can start to do that transition it to water. I'm not transitioning it to water yet because I haven't tested him in utility yet. So I want him to be in duck search mode when I take him to the yeah. water, not going water means line. search not right not blind, so i yeah. want him going all over the pond potentially you can use this as a way a dog that is not leaving you at all you could tra- you could use this at the water as a way to get the dog to start across and then hope that they catch scent yeah. on the way uh as a way to get through duck search but i've got a good duck search in him right now so i'm doing the line drill on land and i just keep extending the distance out um, so that, you know, if we're past utility of the prize one, the next step will be for me to transition that to water and it'll start across a Creek that's 20 feet yep. and then across a bigger Creek and then across a pond where he doesn't have it, where it just doesn't make sense for him to run around the pond. Like his only option is to swim across. Yep. Then the sign goes away back on land and it goes from 20 feet to, you know, all the yeah. way out to 100 yards or whatever, then back to water with no sign and keep extending that thing out. That's what I have in mind. Yeah. All, all no. for the sake of being able to send my dog in a straight line, even if I don't uh, make it to the invitational and have to do that uh, blind, right? Is that yeah, what it's called? Blind, blind across the water. Yeah. Um, if we don't have to do that, it's still useful. Or if I see the bird go down and the dog doesn't, yes. I can send him in that direction. And that's it what translates I was about to, say. to the to the signals in the field too. It, tra- it translates into the double mark on the test as well, sure, because you have crisscrossing patterns. Yep, and you need the dog to go after the the last one sent or flew, released, mm-hmm. whatever shot through the launcher. You need to line the dog up and know that the dog is going to go in the direction that you're sending it, not to the other bird. And so, so it, I've started leaning into sending them to a pile, you know, 20 feet away without the sign. Um, I'm not extending those out yet. I want to keep the sign in there as an indicator so that when yeah. I do transition to the water, it's still fresh on his mind. But I'm send, I'm also throwing like wagon wheel type yeah. patterns, you know, where I'll throw one 45 degrees to the left, one 45 degrees to the right. Yep. And then I pick which one he gets to go for. That's first. also for for people that are kind of familiar with other methods. That's also kind of called the uh, push pull method. Yeah, it's very similar to a wagon wheel, or uh, you, you'll hear it called the baseball diamond. Picture the dogs at the mm-hmm. pitcher's mound, yep. first, second, third home plate. So there, there's a few ways. They're all similar drills, called something different. Maybe mm-hmm. a couple little little bit of nuance mixed in there. But yeah, so a lot of people they'll say, I mean, why do I need to need a sign? 
And like you, you already touched on, it's really just a point of reference. You're getting the sure. dog used to, hey, I'm pointing, and you're over exaggerating the direction that you're pointing. So mm-hmm. they, they without a shadow of a doubt associate. They know that you're pointing at that sign, and then again, it's just repetition, 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 consistent expectations and reinforcement on on what the dog's been trained to on their retrieve and you just again you just extend extend the dish distance out and you, you use a sign you can use white buckets you can use yep. painted buckets a lot of people say well when i get to the water i can't use that okay you can go to the dollar store and get a one dollar inner tube and paint it white and anchor it off and that gives a point of reference in the sure. water uh pool noodles i've seen that used. yeah that you can get again get creative right just because you don't see a pro trainer or a youtube video on people doing this stuff it, this goes back into how many times do i say it's not the how that's important it's the why mm-hmm. if you understand the why of something you can then come up with some creative ideas on how to address certain concerns and plant these seeds for later use. And that's the next thing that I have is the duck search. And that kind of goes directly into it because. Yeah. So some of these things that we're doing, people will drive by while I have my dog down there and I walk out and I put this black and white sign out there and I always wonder, do they think I'm selling this place? (laughs) You know, I'm putting the sign out here. Um, And then I'll have healing stakes set up in my yard with bumpers all over the place as distractions. distractions. And sometimes I'll get the kids to come out there and like run around while I'm healing the dog through the stakes. So I know my neighbors think I'm crazy. You're getting at the, uh, the duck search, you know, you don't have to have ducks and water to teach duck search. Ideally you do. Uh, again, when Nick told me his method for, (laughs) for introducing it and planting the seeds and have some, having some, uh, midweek training sessions. I didn't like the idea of it, but it obviously works. You've got dogs that, that do, you know, top Consi- level consistent duck yeah, searches. Duck searches. So every now and then they'll have a brain fart, you know, sure. just like all dogs. But Absolutely. So explain how you do duck so, search in the yard. So what I was saying again is sometimes it takes just sitting down, sitting down and thinking about the why of something, because honestly, I kind of came up with this this preferred method that I, I like to use a couple years ago when I was working, Rachel, towards utility. You hear all the time that duck search is what hangs a lot of people up with utility. And that was my case a couple years ago. I was preparing. She was getting steadiness in the field. She was getting everything down pat, but she just was not figuring out what the duck search was. She just she wouldn't do it. She, you know, And it didn't matter how many times I sent her. Didn't matter how many times I threw live ducks at her. Didn't matter how many times. I mean, I tried that kayak meth- method. To be perfectly honest, I don't really prefer the kayak method, right? Because it's like, yeah, you can get the dog to follow you in the kayak all the time, but when you take the kayak out, is when it's important. And so we'll yeah. touch on that a little bit later. Well, let me defend the kayak method real quick. I didn't use a, a kayak either, but. The idea is once you've sent the dog, yeah. you don't want him to come back. So if you if you can see that the dog is starting to come back, get out there in the kayak to keep them out there. Right, yeah. And we're going to touch on that a lot because we're going to do a full episode yeah. on duck search. But, I just wanted to defend but, it in the interim yeah. because I know there's people out there and I, that, yeah. that use it. I oh, mean, yeah. And, and it works. And it works for them. And, again, a million ways to skin a cat. Uh, but what I was mainly saying is it just wasn't working for me and Rachel. And so it got to the point to where I was extremely frustrated. I was like a month out from the test. I'm like, man, this is, I'm about to pull pull her from the test. It's because it's, it, she's just not connecting the dots. And so I, I remember vividly sitting out on the deck one night, and I'm, I'm kind of frustrated after a training session to where it's just, the duck search isn't making any progression. Forget like getting close to being done. She's not understanding at all, and I'm like, okay, Let's think about this. I cracked a beer and I'm just out there just thinking, how can I relate what I want to her in a way that gets her excited? What is she good at and how can I tailor make that towards duck search? And what she's good at is those bumpers. She loves the bumpers. 
And I'm like, okay. Whatever works. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this out. I have a month until the test date. Let me try this out for a week or two. If she starts making progressions, just go go forward with the test. If she doesn't, I'll pull and we'll figure out something else later. And so I just started in my yard and I just salt and peppered the entire yard with, with yep. bumpers. And I had mixed colors. I had whites. I had oranges. I had black and whites. I had a couple Dawkins mixed in there. I literally salt and peppered. I probably had 10 to 12 bumpers out there at any given time. So I would go out there and I You st- made it easy right off the bat where there was no doubt. The dog wasn't like, what does he want me to right. do? It's like, oh, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. There's 15 bumpers out here. And so I even went so far as like, okay, how can I use the color to help with this? So I would put the whites. The the issue was getting her to go and go far enough to to expand her search. And so at first I played off her visual instincts and, and looking for the dummies, which is her issue. She was visual. If she didn't see anything, she didn't want to go out after it. Right. So I would set the white bumpers up at the back side of the yard and the orange, black, and white mixed in in between me and the white bumpers in the back, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. So I would set it up. I wouldn't walk them out because I didn't want my foot scent leading to it. I would throw them out. And as close as I could get to an objective, a tree, a shrub, something like that, the better because that's that's what you want to do on the duck search. Sure. And uh, so I just started doing that. And I, that started out easy. And then I would progressively make it harder and harder, do away with bumpers over a couple of days. Instead of 12, I'd Until, have eight. Yeah, Instead and then you work your way to one five. bumper probably, right? And right? I'm working down to one bumper. And so I would set the bumpers up, go get her, bring her around. She had no idea where the bumpers were, and it was just repetition. Search, search. She'd bring it back. Search. Just keep sending them. Just keep sending them. And eventually she got to where she was doing a four and duck search but just with bumpers on land. Sure. And I'm like, okay. So we we have the desired action on land. Let me move to the water. Did the same exact process. And so you started back to step one that you were doing on land. You went yeah. out. Now that you've gone to call it step seven. Yeah. Now you go out to the water and it's back to step one. Back to step one. So you're putting the whites in the very back on the water salt and pepper in the pond and you're just repetition over and over Pretty and over brilliant man and, and, over again. and again the dog gets to the water and there's no doubt about it yeah. she's like yep i know this game i've done this before yeah. and so obviously we're going to go into a lot more detail on the duck search when we do that episode but the point of all this is i in one month's time took a dog that was getting, I mean, a no pass in duck search. I'm not even saying she was going to get a one. She was getting a no pass in duck search. Right. And she, in a matter of three and a half, four weeks, we went from a no pass duck search dog to where she's getting fours consistently. She got the four in the test and now you've seen her. She's going to go she's and crazy she loves about, it. about yeah. it now. And so it was literally me just sitting back. What does this dog do well? What does she enjoy? Let me translate that into what, what I'm wanting. And it right. was unconventional because one thing that you hear in duck search from everybody is live ducks, live ducks, live ducks. Yes. Ideally, that's what you want. But I didn't but have the opportunity. But if you can't get your dog out there to, to, to find figure out that ducks. there's a live yeah. duck, then you got to do something else. And and this is just everyday training. So yeah, what can you right. do in your backyard? Not and, everyone can keep ducks at yeah. their house, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was hitting it every day. And some days it was bad weather. I couldn't even use the yard. So what did I do? I moved it inside the house. I didn't salt and pepper the whole house with bumpers, <laughs> but I would pick like their bone or a favorite toy or something. And I'd go hide it. I'd have her in the kennel. I'd go hide it in the back room or something. And then I'd go all the way to the front of the house in the corner, search, and I'd send her. And she'd tear through the house and searching for whatever it was. Yep. And I wouldn't even show it to her before beforehand. All she knew is there's something out there. I want to go find it. And it's really fun, side note, just to kind of bring enjoyment in your life. You may regret it later. Yeah. If you do it early in the morning before your wife works, wakes <laughs> up and you hide the bone or toy in the bed, it's hilarious. It's a good time. <laughs> so that's, that's just another it's a good alarm clock. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, even when it's raining, you can work on something like yeah. duck search. You, you're, 
you're you're only confined to your imagination on this stuff and um yeah so don't let just don't let everybody saying you have to have something or a specific setup get in it the helps way of you connect the dots what you just described help helps the dog connect all the dots and it gives you an opportunity to do something with your dog during the week because if you're just gonna only work duck search at water with live ducks that yeah. might be a thing that you can again only do on the weekends right. so and i mean for me i i was able to do that and and only do it uh you know on the weekends and sneak yeah. in a couple week sessions with live ducks sometimes with frozen ducks but depending on what you have and what your dog's doing might need to do the bumper right. thing Right. And so, I mean, obviously this doesn't just contribute to steadiness, retrieving and duck search, uh, tracking. You can do a lot of stuff around the house with tracking. I've heard of guys just taking a bottle of water, piece of hot dog in it, mix in with some water and they just kind of squirt it and they lead it to a hot dog with a young dog, with a young pup. That's working tracking. Guess what? Again, you have a dead bird or just a wing or something. I'm not saying do do wing on a string but you put a wing on a string and drag, you drag the dead bird around your house guess what that's not only helping with tracking yeah. but then it's helping with the uh, duck drag at utility level so i mean we brush over the tracking real quick but yeah it, you know that's pretty obvious you have something with scent you drag it and the dog is using its nose as well as its brain figuring it out and that directly lends itself to the track in the NA if you need to work on that. It lends itself to the duck drag. It lends itself to if you're going to be tracking deer with these dogs, uh, whatever. You know, that's something that you can easily do in your backyard or whatever. And it, Something to keep in mind with these everyday training sessions is that you don't have to go out and have a deliberate training session, but everything you're doing with your dog purposeful is training. And so I know we just really brushed over tracking, but I, I felt like that's really a little more self-explanatory than some of the other things we talked about. But also another, another concept that you should consider, and we've talked about you have your kids run around the dogs or you set up purposeful distractions with your dogs in your yard, is change it up. Change up the locations, okay? Throw the dog in the kennel or the truck and go down the road. Go to a city park. Go, um, I don't like dog parks just because you don't know the people with the dogs out yeah, there. Yeah, and there's usually uh, don't run into well-trained dogs at dog yeah, parks. Uh, but I've used it to where I'm off to the side, and I'm just yeah. using those dogs as distractions. I just don't let them interact. But the point is you're putting the dog in a new locations to where they're, they're realizing, okay, what I learned at home in that one specific yard, it applies here too. And so – I have a park close by that has a bunch of soccer fields, football fields, softball fields, baseball fields. You get the picture, any right. kind of field. And there's always some kind of little league going on, games going on. And you can mix it up. You can do it during the day. You can do it at night. It's well lit. And you're putting the dog in a new area with new distractions and temptations. And you're really just refining those drills. And you can get really creative out there to where, I mean, there's there's natural place boards at these places. You know, there, there's natural barricades to where, what are those? Heel stakes. You can get really creative with this stuff out there and it's distractions to where you're, you're not even having to control the distractions. You can be 110% focused on your dog and you have a t team of soccer players players behind you or the crowd or whatever yeah and you just can, you can put on a place command on a on a sewage yeah. uh drain cap or whatever you call it yeah uh, like the manhole cap <laughs> yep um electrical boxes which is totally safe yeah i've used the place on picnic hay, tables hay bales picnic tables anything and it's not like necessarily a uh a utility type command where you're not you're like oh man i need to train my dog to place on a picnic table it's the idea of mentally stimulating yeah them. 
And so the the point is, take your dogs out in public, get them used to the crowds, get them. It, it helps with socialization. It helps really refine these commands. If you have a brewery or a restaurant that has a patio that allows dogs, that's fantastic. Not gonna lie, the first few times you go there, it's gonna be pain in the butt. You're gonna you're gonna be like, man. But the dog gets used to it. The after dog a while. gets used to it, and I it's go to not Lowe's gonna... all the time. Yeah, and Lowe's. it's a great place to work on healing. It's a great place to work on meeting other people, yeah. um, which is just something you need to have down as a dog owner, in my opinion, is being able to take your dog places. Anywhere. Because there's there's a lot of people that are like, "This is my bird dog. It doesn't come in the house. It doesn't go anywhere with me." But a lot of these these training things that we're doing, going to Lowe's and working on healing, yeah. it makes it easier when you're healing in the field. It does. And not everyone has a number of acres to work on healing. And and so and guys, full disclosure, this is coming from two guys. We go through the effort. We do this. We take them in public. Our dogs are not 100% on this stuff. Yeah, that's when you what, see me in public, don't yeah. expect perfection yeah, out of so my dog. Our dogs act up just like everyone else's dogs, but that's with us putting in the time and effort and doing this. And so just imagine if you don't do this with your dog, You know, not to say that they're going to be horrible at it, but you're, again, just missing out on an opportunity that's going to directly correlate to what you really care about later. But... I'm with you. I like taking my dog anywhere with me if I have any errands or whatever, but just get creative. Think about the why you're training something more than the how, and you're, you're going to come up with some crazy off-the-wall stuff. Uh, that does not mean just because you come up with an idea that you think will work. Don't just keep powering through because it, you know, you, it may play better in your head than what it does in the field. You know, maybe try something that's like, all right, that didn't go, go very well. Don't keep doing it just because it's like, ah, I came up with an idea. Right. You know, be honest with yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you get to meet a lot of people too when you take your dog out in public. Mm-hmm. No one ever wants to meet me, <laughs> but people want to meet my dog. Yeah. So when I take my dog to Lowe's or a baseball game or whatever, I get to meet all kinds yeah. of people. And I've actually met other, uh, you know, bird dog guys yep. that way. Yep. When someone goes, Oh, yeah, short hair, I got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> when someone goes, Is that a Dalmatian? I'm like, <laughs> Sure, yep, it's a Dalmatian. You yep. got it. <laughs> oh, I mean, just uh, yesterday I was at the park at lunch, you know, throwing throwing bumpers, and a guy came up, Oh, that's a beautiful Australian Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is what What'd it you is. What'd you say? Thanks. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you, the average person, you explain what a small Munster Lander is, they're just going to be like, it, It's just easier to be like, Oh, yeah, thanks. And they go on their way, and I keep training. So uh, someone walked up to me one day and said, I know what that dog is, and I'm thinking, all right, let's hear it. It's a Dalmatian blue tick mix. <laughs> I said, absolutely. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's fun. But, yeah, it's just, again, get creative. Use your imagination. Think it through. Uh, I mean, just something that – I mean, yes – this past weekend, I was I was just walking through the woods with with Lucy. We weren't doing anything special, but you know what? A bunch of trees are they're hill stakes, and sure. I literally just I'm walking through the woods, checking a property out, just having her at heel, and I'm enforcing, hey, you're you're going in between these trees with me, and it, it seems kind of silly. A lot of people aren't going to purposely go out there and do that, but I just had her with me and I'm in the woods. I'm like, I might as well get something out of this besides just walking around. So that made me think of something that we haven't covered is ideally I get to go out and work my dog in a hunting scenario all the time. So even if there's not birds involved, I'll take my dog out to the woods, to fields, whatever I can. And I go through the whole process just like I'm hunting where I release the dog to hunt and I keep him at a desirable range. We work on recall. We work on healing, um, all those things. So a lot of the stuff we've talked about is in, is when you can't get on uh, get to a place to put them on birds. Like, what's the next best thing? Yeah. Taking them out and letting them run, but not just for the sake of exercise. Let let them run, but treat it like a hunting scenario. You know, the the next best thing to that is doing what's commonly referred to as yard work and that's a lot of the stuff that we've covered pretty much yeah just purposeful consistency use your imagination concentrate on the 
why instead of the how. And I think that covers it. That's it, man. All right. You guys have a good night. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.